This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Our theme verse for the ministry here is Psalm 1611, where the scripture tells us, Thou wilt show me the path of life. The path of life is not always easy. And it's full of surprises. And those surprises aren't always good surprises. But nothing ever surprises our God. And what an encouragement that is. And that's part of the path of life. And he's going to use, uh, and I've prayed this morning, God will use this text to show us this part of the path of life. What to do when... Trials come, and especially persecution. There are an infinite number of wonders in creation, but one of those is how God spreads his seeds. I love the green that's out there. I love the things that grow, especially the things that grow that you can eat. Amen? All right. But those come from seeds. And isn't it amazing how God spreads his seed? History tells us that years after the Colosseum in Rome stopped being used, it turned into a botanical garden with species of flowers not found in Italy or Europe. Uh, in fact, as, as far back as the 1890s, Botanists have gone in there, and they continue to find evidence of these plants. The only conclusion that they all have reached that this happened was because there were seeds in the fur of the exotic animals the Romans brought to the Colosseum for their circuses and their games. And I've given you a picture of one of the mosaics. Uh, they would parade exotic animals through there, giraffes and rhinoceros, and there were bears and lions, okay, and, and all of that, and of course some of that uh, involved the contests. Some of those contests murdered Christians. But as the seeds fell out of that fur years later, when the Roman Empire fell, it, it, that whole area grew into a lush garden. On the farm, I was sometimes mystified at what was growing where. And I wondered how it got there. And I saw uh, farmers, uh, my own family out in the fields planting things, but, but you'd see a stalk of corn, you know, that would start springing up in our sandbox. How'd that get there? Okay, well, as I looked at all that, I learned that God's wind can pick up seeds and transport them to unexpected places where they then spring up and grow. It's amazing. In Acts 8, we see the Lord doing the same thing, not in nature, but supernaturally in his church. Wind seems random, but think about this. When God sends his wind, it's never random. He knows what it's doing. He knows where it's going and what will happen. And so in Acts 8 verses 1 to 4 tell us that because of the persecution in Jerusalem, the church was scattered abroad. 
Now, we know the word diaspora, the Greek word means to scatter, but this word is a little different. It's diaspero, and it literally means to scatter seed. The church was scattered abroad. What was the Lord doing? He was scattering his seed. Warren Wearsby commented, The believers in Jerusalem were God's seed, and the persecution was used of God to plant them in new soil so they could bear fruit. Isn't that amazing? Jesus used the same imagery in Matthew 13, 37, and 38 in the parable of the sower. He would teach his disciples this, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. Now understand the imagery. So the Lord takes us and he spreads us across this fertile world that uh, the Bible tells us. Uh, the fields are white unto harvest. How'd they get that way? He spreads us out there to plant the seed. Now we learned last week that God allowed his church to be scattered to get them out of Jerusalem and carry the gospel to the rest of the world. They went everywhere, not just for protection, but for proclamation. We see in the text that it's okay to protect yourself and your family. There may be times that you need to uh, protect yourself, but wherever that may lead you, what Acts is teaching us, you're going there as a missionary. Wherever the winds of persecution blew them, the early church preached and planted gospel seed. Here's a question. Do you think anything is different today? No. Who said that? A plus. Right. Okay. All right, Mike. All right. It's no different today. We hear about refugees, humanitarian crises. But have you ever considered that within those groups there are probably Christians that are being moved? And as they're moving and wherever they get planted, now it's time to spread gospel seed. It'd be easy to think that they were displaced, but Acts shows us that they were being replanted. So I've entitled today's message, Fruitful Winds. Fruitful winds, right out of the text here. The winds of trials, persecution, may be God replanting you to produce fruit for him. I'm speaking to a congregation. Some of you, God has transplanted here. In fact, maybe something happened somewhere else and, and you feel like the wind kind of blew you in here. Well, guess what? No. God was working in all that. And we're thankful, by the way, that he has planted you here to help us plant gospel seed. I'm not suggesting at all that you coming here was easy. In fact, people come from churches where things have changed dramatically. The gospel isn't being preached they're, they're becoming ministry experiments with all the, the new fangled fads that are out there. And so you, you've, you've been blown in here, but not really. God led you here. 
We want you to be encouraged, but understand that God brought you here so you could be fruitful with us. And by the way, if you've been here for decades and you're, you're planted, but you're not producing, something's not right. God brought you into this assembly so that together we can bring forth fruit for his glory. Now again, chapter 8, verse 4, it's a transitional verse. Would you look at it? Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Saul made havoc of the church. We learned last week that means he, he was destroying the church. It was imperfect in the sense that he's doing it now, but God's going to stop it. But that's what the word made havoc means. He was going house to house. He was arresting not just men, but women, which means he was leaving orphans and bringing Christians in that he might destroy them. There is no doubt in my mind that these believers were stoned to death, just like Stephen. And in my Bible reading this week, the Lord reminded me, been reading through Deuteronomy, if you're reading through the Bible, you've been too. But in Deuteronomy 13 and 17, both speak of stoning those who tempt their neighbors to follow other gods or false prophets. How did the Jewish establishment view Jesus? False prophet. And now these people of the way, they're, they're preaching Jesus, that he came and died and rose again. And so they're wrong, but what are they thinking? Saul is thinking, let's arrest as many of them as we can and let's stone them to death. But the spiritual results of the deadly trouble in Jerusalem was the spreading of a great missionary force. The Bible says they went everywhere preaching. What were they doing? Literally, the word means that they were heralding. They were trumpeting the gospel. Now notice who was among the witnesses who were scattered. Verse 5, Then Philip came down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now, where have we heard about Philip before? Some of you are ahead of me. You'll remember back in chapter 6, verse 5, we learned that he was one of the men chosen, and these were all Hellenistic Jews. So he's, his background, like Stephen's, was Greek. But he's chosen to be a deacon in the early church. He too then was a man filled with the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Now why does God choose to direct our attention to Philip here? And so this is going to be a team meeting. God's called me to be one of your coaches. All right, so gather around, let's huddle, and let's, let's look at this text and learn how we can be better servants for the Lord. And the Lord presents before us this man named Philip. Now, we can't take time this morning. Later, we're going to look at, at how God used him. When we traveled to Greece and Turkey last year on that Bible lands trip, do you know that Philip and his daughters end up, in fact, we were up in Hierapolis where his tomb is at, uh, and it's, it's right next to Laodicea and Colossae. Philip, his life ended. He was all the way over there helping those church plants go forward for God. 
He became an evangelist. God used him. But why here is Philip introduced to us? Well, first of all, it's to show that persecution in the church was great enough to cause disruption to her daily functions. Remember that these deacons were chosen to help with the distribution to the physical needs of the widows, to make sure that they were fed, to make sure that their other needs were taken care of. But watch this, of the seven deacons, Stephen is dead, and now Philip has been forced to flee. We don't know what happened with the other deacons, but now their number's down to five. What happened to the ministry to the widows? Well, Scripture doesn't tell us, does it? Who stepped up to continue that ministry in the church? We don't really know. But out of all those thousands of believers, I believe somebody did. Somebody stepped up and they continued to look out for those needs. Perhaps God even used those early uh, Deacons just to structure things so that whatever happened, that ministry would continue. It reminds me of this. When persecution comes, when, when winds of change affect a ministry, God still has in place in that ministry those who can step up and meet the needs of the body. Don't ever think when you come to good news, well, that's somebody else's job. Well, somebody else and that, no, no, no. You need to be alert. You need to be watchful. Who has a need and God, how can you use me to meet those needs? In places, other countries where persecution is rampant, they used to tell us in the old Soviet Union, it frustrated the, the communist leaders because every time they'd throw one of those guys in jail for preaching, there was somebody else that just stepped right in there and kept going. And then somebody else. And then somebody else. Well, what, what is that? That's the church functioning. And God shows us that through the example of Philip. I believe that Philip is also singled out, secondly, to show that God uses those who are already spirit-controlled and serving faithfully. That's who God uses. This is the pattern throughout Scripture. This is why as a pastor I get concerned, and other pastors that have pastored churches and, of course, you pastors' wives, you, you know this. We get concerned because if someone is sitting around not doing anything for the Lord right now, they're not going to be led to do anything for the Lord later. You say, well, God, I'm here. Just, just ring my bell when you need some, some help. That's not the way it works. God is looking for those who are already faithfully serving, and he takes those, and then he leads them to the next area of ministry. As Christians, we need to remember God doesn't have to have me and He doesn't have to have you. It's a privilege to serve. Now, where do we see this elsewhere in the scripture? We go all, go, and go all the way back to the Old Testament, Genesis 24. Remember that Abraham had a servant named Eliezer. He was the, the one who, was, who oversaw all of Abraham's household. 
Abraham asked Eliezer to find a wife for Isaac. What an amazing story that was, how God worked. And so Eliezer goes back to Abraham's family living up in the area of Haran. He goes back there. And you remember, God did a mighty work. God showed Eliezer exactly who Isaac's wife should be. And then Eliezer shares this testimony, Genesis 24, 27. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord, what? He led me to the house of my master's brethren. What is Eliezer saying? I was faithful with what God had me to do. And I trusted him each step of the way, and I being in the way where God wanted me, the Lord continued to lead. How exciting. When we see the Lord right in front of our eyes put things together and, and accomplish his work, what a joy. But God does that for folks who are already faithfully serving, not faithfully sitting, Faithfully serving. How about David? I love the life of David, all the lessons we can learn. Here's a young man who walked with God. As a youth, he's taking care of a few sheep in the wilderness. What's he doing while he's out there? Well, just tossing pebbles into the creek. No, he's not. He's learning music. He's talking to God. He's learning to walk with God, and he being in the way, doing the simple things that his dad has asked him to do. Young people, what a lesson. Oh, Mom, the garbage again. Well, somebody's got to take it out. But you need to realize that as some of you are looking at parents right now. But as you obey and you do what God wants you to do now, you know what he's going to do? He's going to open doors, direct you to much greater things. David got a command one day. This is exciting. If you're a brother, I can't think of a more exciting command to hear from your dad. Take lunch to your brothers. Okay. Well, this, this won't be so boring because they're out in the army fighting the Philistines. I, I, okay, I'll... I'll go see what's going on. So he, here comes the lunch guy. He shows up on the field, and you all know the story. As he shows up on the field, Goliath comes out, and he starts mocking God, blaspheming God, and criticizing the armies of Israel. And the young man who has been learning how great his God is and to walk with God, he sees this big feller, and he says, who's he think he is? And David starts looking around. Nobody is responding to this problem. He's cursing God. And so David says, I'm going to take care of this. And these guys all look over at this young teenager. Who's he think he is? And then the teenager says, oh, by the way, I've got a battle record too. I killed a lion and a bear. Really? Yeah. And with God, that giant is no match. His brothers give him a hard time. He tries on the king's armor, and that doesn't work, but he knows what does work. 
And so he gets his sling, and I think the whole time he's picking up stones, he's praying, God, we need to fix this. Would you work? And then the only angel-propelled stone in the Bible gets in that sling, and David spins that and sends it towards the, towards the giant. And if you want to mark in the margin of your Bible, that's the first bullseye in the Bible. Uh, I'm not sure Goliath knew what hit him. But what did God do? He used the sheepfold to help David on a battlefield. And what did all that do? Preparing to be Israel's greatest king. So this is how God works. Let's, re let's repeat it again to show that God uses those who are already spirit-controlled and serving faithfully. Why else would Philip be mentioned here? Well, here's the third reason. To show that one ministry calling may not be your final ministry calling. Wherever you are serving, always be prepared to be redeployed as the Lord leads. Now, that's, a, that's an exciting part of the ministry. Always be ready as you're serving faithfully. See, God, God may call you to do something else. You don't have to even see it coming. But if he calls you, he's equipped you, go and do it. Finally, I believe that Philip is mentioned here to show us that no matter what we do within the body of Christ, our primary ministry is the proclamation of the gospel to all who are lost. That's our primary responsibility. Christians who think having a ministry position or a title means that they have an evangelism exemption are wrong. No, there are no exemptions when it comes to declaring the gospel to every creature. That's what we're called to do. You know, some pastors can fall into this. Well, I'm a pastor, and I have all these responsibilities, and they stop going out trying to win people to Christ. That's wrong. Of all the things that God has called me to do, the main thing needs to stay the main thing. I need to declare the gospel to those who need to hear. And so do you. We are all called to be witnesses unto Christ, which is our missions conference theme, our missions theme for this year. Are you fulfilling your calling? Well, I'm, I'm so busy in this ministry, in this ministry, in this. I just don't have time. Time out. When's the last time you shared the gospel? You purpose to go and share the gospel with someone. And if you just have a regular life where you're out and getting groceries and getting the car washed and whatever you do, I'm pretty sure there are lost people around you. Give them the gospel. Say, well, my car broke down. Now I'm sitting in the car dealership. Great. The wind blew you in there. You need, we need to think that way. Oh, I had this seat on the airplane and I got moved over here. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Now, when Philip is forced to leave Jerusalem... God was already working ahead of him. And I love this in the text. He follows the Lord's 
admonition, his command in Acts 1.8 to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and what's next? Samaria. So he follows the Lord and travels north to Samaria. By the way, that's a pretty safe place because the persecutors, they hate the Samaritans. It'd take a lot for them to go into Samaria. But you know what? God led Philip there. And like his Lord, there is no prejudice. And he must needs go there as well. So look at verse 6. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke. It's important that we pause here to get the full picture. Fruitful winds blew Philip into an area where the hearts of the people were already prepared to receive the message. It's, it's like he goes in there and somebody had already prepared the way. Well, we know the Lord promised he'll draw all sinners unto himself. So we have that encouragement. But in fact, others had been there before Philip got there. How do we know that their hearts had been prepared? You don't need to turn. Well, let's go ahead and turn. Let's go back to John chapter 3. This is one of the reasons it's important to know Bible geography, where things are at, and to be a student of the Word. You've probably read over this in a very familiar chapter of the Bible, John chapter 3. But notice what it says in verse 23. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salim. Okay, you'd have to take time to look that up, study that. But John was baptizing there because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. Now, where is Salim? Well, Salim is near Shechem, and where is Shechem? Right smack dab in the center of Samaria. Yeah. So John was not only baptized, preaching repentance and baptizing along the Jordan, but he took time. You may not know this about his ministry, but he took time to travel inland, travel west, go to the area of the Samaritans, and to preach to them too. What we know about Salim is there are large springs of water there. There was much water there to baptize as well. Wow. So he preached repentance, and those that were willing to repent among the Samaritans, John the Baptist baptized them. Now go over the page to chapter 4 of John, and you know this passage well. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus must needs go through Samaria. He leads the woman, this Samaritan woman who had lived a wicked life, he leads her to the Lord. She rushes back into town, and she starts telling everybody, come meet a man that told me everything I did. Now look at what resulted from Jesus' ministry, and I'm going to fast forward. John chapter 4, look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there 
two days. That two-day ministry in Samaria planted lots of seed. Lots of folks came to the Lord. Whatever happened to those folks? God continued his work. John the Baptist and Jesus, and the stage had been set now for a preaching deacon to go in there and for the ministry to continue. It was during this time, though, that Jesus taught his disciples some important lessons that we are being reminded of from Acts chapter 8 this morning. Would you look at verse 35? The disciples are confused about what, why is Jesus talking to her? And, and, and you remember there was some confusion. They had gone into the city to get lunch. Jesus says to them, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look unto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now watch. This is exactly what happens with Philip. He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth, and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Now I'm, I'm going to just let out a little secret here this text is going to end with they were joyful in Samaria including Philip a direct answer to what Jesus was teaching here verse 37 and herein is that saying true one soweth and one reapeth I send you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And any time Philip would ever go back to John's gospel and read that, he would say, Amen, Amen. I went into Samaria on the run, started to preach. Everything had been prepared. People got saved and baptized. Now, the last part of verse 6, back in Acts 8, is another important lesson about evangelism. God can use persecution and other means to lead his witnesses, but the witnesses also need to be empowered by him. The gospel is powerful. But if you're not yielded to him and his power isn't working, through, you're not going to tell others. That's, that's the voice of experience. If I'm not walking with God, I'm not eager to share Christ with others. If his love, if I'm experiencing his love in fellowship, then I, that shed, is shed abroad in my heart to others. But as we read on in the text, Acts 8, the Bible says that the Samaritans were hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. End of verse 6. Verse 7, for unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many were taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. Who's doing that? Not an apostle. It's Philip. Now don't miss the parallel between Philip's life and Stephen's. Acts 6, 8 told us that Stephen was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, we shouldn't do this, and I'm not saying that here we do this, but we tend to think of pastoral leadership and then deacons 
Do you know that you're not going to get that thinking from the book of Acts? What the deacons were doing is what the apostles were doing. 6.10 said that those who heard Stephen were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. So God is powerful to direct his witnesses wherever he would have them serve. And he's even able to use the winds of persecution. However, he must have yielded lives. That's where we live right now. Yielded lives which he can, through which he can show his mighty power. Do you ever ask God for power? Do you ever ask God to so work in your life that you are yielded and clean and in such fellowship with him that he can work through you powerfully to do things that no one can explain, but God did that in you. Now, he isn't using us to lay our hands on the sick and the lame. Those sign gifts stopped. And even those today who claim to have them do a little research, they don't have them. It's not happening. But the Lord wants to empower his message through us. And yes, he may even call us to confront demons in Jesus' name. Is demonic activity a problem today? I think now more than ever. These mass shootings, what's behind that? By the way, don't blame the guns. Please, don't blame the guns. If they take those away, you'll have to blame the bats. And then the sticks. And then the rocks. Got quiet in here. All right, all right. Boy, these rabbit trails are, are a problem. Well, let, me, let me get back. All right. Demonic activity. You know where these, these, these shootings, you know what a lot of that is? In fact, some of the shooters will even declare this. I heard voices. <coughs> Don't doubt that. They heard voices. And some demon, some doctor of death, told them to do that. <coughs> All right. So God's work through our proclamation of the gospel is real spiritual deliverance. God's people must have God's power, and this only happens through prayerful dependence and a pure life. Somebody says, Pastor, what's your burden for Good News Baptist Church? It's right here. That we be prayerfully dependent and that we're pure. Why? Because that means we're fellowshipping with the Lord. But you know what else that means? We have his power. Without his power, we can't do anything. Ultimately, what was the proof that these Samaritans were being saved from their sins and the effects of sin? Verse 8, there was great joy in that city. Remember what we saw earlier about the rejoicing? Here it is. Fruitful winds led to the powerful proclamation of the gospel in Samaria, and there were shouts of joy. Let's close. When I was a child, we had maple trees. I learned later that they were maple trees, but early on I noticed 
that when the seeds would fall from these trees that we like to climb, they would turn into helicopters. How many of you have ever seen that, all right? And it spin down, and as a kid, I'm like, that's really cool. And I'd pick them up, and I'd try to make the th same thing happen again, okay? Those seeds from the maple tree are called Samaras. They would come down spinning like the blade of a helicopter. Now, I have to admit, it all seemed so random until one day I realized that these huge trees that we love to climb, how did that tree get started? One of these seeds falling out of the sky. Did God have anything to do with that seed falling? He sure did. That tree growing, he sure did. Philip's life reminds us that there is nothing random as God works in the lives of Christians. Nothing random. I've been privileged to sit the last few weeks in the grief share class that some of you are in. We're listening to testimony from preachers and, and others who are now biblical counselors helping people with their grief. But what's amazing to me is how many of them have a story where God kind of, you understand where I'm going, kind of blew them into that kind of ministry. Now, did he really do that? No, it was very purposeful. But as they were going through those trials, it had to feel like a storm, like wind just beating against them. But what, what was God preparing to do? Use them to be a great help to those that are suffering and hurting. And each week, there is a strong gospel presentation from these very same people saying, the answer is Jesus. Here's how you receive Jesus. Winds of change, affliction, and even persecution will feel like disruption. But we must remember that they are by design. Not disruption. Some Christians get bitter because, God, you allowed this to happen. You disrupted my life. Stop. That was designed. Oh, by the way, go back to the book of Job. That was all designed too. How horrific was it what he went through? So if you and I will be a committed witness, difficulties will become fruitful wins through the power of God. Are you willing to trust your God we have no reason not to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. Lord, we're living in a world that is coming apart. Evil men and seducers wax worse and worse. And Lord, we're, we're getting to the point where we're not sure we can believe anything that we're being told. But we can go to your word and know that every word of God is pure. And thank you for teaching us that if we'll depend on you, when the winds blow and persecution comes, if we'll depend, you'll see us through. And in fact, you may be relocating us, replanting us for even greater work. Help us to trust you. And Lord, would you work now in this, these final minutes we have together in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. 
If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.